Well, good morning, New Zealand, and welcome to the Destinate NZ podcast. I'm Michelle, and today we're doing something a little bit different. I got hijacked. So surely I'm going to turn on the podcast and Chambers is back, and this time she has turned the tables on me and interviewed me. So hopefully you enjoy it. A little bit of background about what I've been doing all of my career in the industry, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. So thanks for listening. Kia ora and welcome to Destiny NZ podcast. Thanks for listening in today. I'm Chambers and today I'm joined by a very special guest, the creator of this podcast, Michelle Coldwell. Yes, that's right. We're in the studio and we're here to discuss everything Michelle, aka MJ. So a few weeks ago, Michelle interviewed me, and since then, we've recorded a few episodes with like-minded industry leaders. So I thought it'd be a great idea to interview Michelle and get her take on our fabulous industry. So Michelle, as you mentioned in my interview, we're two non-native Kiwis who have chosen NZ as our home and fallen into tourism as our chosen career. So can you tell me how that happened for you? Well, kia ora, Chambers, and thanks for turning the tables on me today. I have to say, <laughs> firstly, I'm a little bit nervous, which is really weird considering that I've been doing this on my own and more recently with you. But yeah, it seems a little bit different to be on the other side of the interview table. So yeah, for sure, how I started in tourism. Well, I just happened upon tourism. I actually graduated from the Queensland University of Technology with a Bachelor of Business Marketing degree and moved to New Zealand not long after my I finished university. So I, I actually didn't even get to go to my graduation ceremony, which is probably one of the only regrets I have in life. And I started mm. out working in the pharmaceutical industry. So I remember at the time I I looked after about a third of the North Island and my boss, when I first started, basically handed me the keys to the car, a little map and a list of 350 pharmacies and said, off you go. And I was out there on my own. And yeah, it was a pretty, pretty interesting job. And I have to say, as a 20 year old turning 21, I was that year, it was pretty daunting. You know, I'd moved countries. I was living away from home for the first time in my life. Yeah. And I was out in this big wide world kind of looking after myself and taking care of myself. And I had this, this great job. Pharmaceuticals does pay pretty well. I have to say extremely well. Back in the day when we used to have one of those brick phones in the car. And um, I even had a fax machine that was sat at home in my hallway um, next to the telephone and I used to fax my orders through every night that I'd taken during the day to head office so they could be fulfilled. I, I departed that company and didn't really know what I wanted to do next. So I actually did a little bit of temping and did all kinds of things back in those days. And a role came up with Brits camper vans as just a customer service representative on the front desk. And they were looking for somebody who could speak German. And oh my God, can you speak German? <laughs> yeah, I'm bisschen. Yeah. And so oh, wow. I studied German at high school and then I did my minor in German at university as well. And I'd done a student exchange to Germany when I was 16. So I thought, well, actually, you know what, I've spent all of these years learning how to speak German now is a great opportunity to be able to use some of it at work. So I applied for the job 
and very quickly was told that I was overqualified for the role, <laughs> but they actually had a branch manager position available and I was offered that for Auckland. So that's, that's how I started out in tourism. So many years ago, that was 1997. Oh, and wow. yeah, I was a 23-year-old first management role looking after a pretty big branch and about 350 vehicles, I think we had at the time. That's huge. Well done. And I've just learned something new. I didn't even know you could speak German. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so from there, just to gain a little bit more detail, though, Michelle, you um, obviously did you, you did Brits, and there's quite a, a beautiful story with that, and where you went and took Brits motorhomes, and how you got involved over taking it into another country and launching it, and all the rest of it. So I'd love you to talk a bit about that, and then what happened thereafter. Yeah, sure. So Brits at the time was an Australian company, and, and so we were kind of the small guys here in New Zealand, and. I remember I'd, I'd been on the job for, oh, I think, about four or five months and the group operations director came out from Australia and, and I remember him sort of sitting behind me and, and he just watched me for most of the day and then he said, oh, how would you feel about you know, coming to Australia and learning all about backpacker campervans, which was a, a second tier campervan company we were operating in Australia at the time and he said, I'd like you to start it up here in New Zealand. And so, of course, I jumped at the chance. I thought that was a great opportunity for me to do something new and spent a couple of weeks in Australia with the team over there who were running backpack camper vans and came back and I was given 20 vehicles um, to sign right in the backpack camper van colours and out on the road we went. So not only then was I the branch manager, I was also the sales and marketing person for New Zealand I was running backpacker camper vans and then I got the great job of doing all the insurance claims as well which was a, a pretty big job just in itself you can imagine all the little scrapes and knocks that you get on camper vans while tourists have them out on the road so yes yeah, so I did that for two and a half years and then was offered a role in Melbourne in the Brits head office. And it was a really interesting one. I remember the group operations director saying to me at the time, Michelle, we really want you to come to Australia. We don't really know what you're going to do yet, but there's a desk here and we've got a phone for you and we'll sort it out when you get here. And I love <laughs> Melbourne. I was born in Melbourne and had always wanted to go back and live there. And so I jumped at the chance and unbeknown to me, Brits was going through a sale and purchase agreement with THL and the day I flew out was the day that it was announced that THL had bought Brits camper vans and so oh. suddenly I was leaving Auckland where head office for THL was based and moving to Melbourne but when I look back in hindsight it was one of the best things I did and you know I spent a year in Melbourne and then ended up working in London for THL and looked after Scandinavia and the Benelux um, countries and as well as the UK and then moved back after three and a half years to run the inbound division of THL and so yeah, I've sort of had a pretty varied career on both sides of the distribution channel, both inbound mm. and supplier. And, and then, yeah, from THL, I came down to Topor and was working for Naitahu for eight and a half years um, across Hooker Falls, Jet Rainbow Springs, and, and later the Agrodome when Naitahu bought that before setting up Destinate five years ago. Wow. Wow, that's quite a story. And I'm, I do love the fact that it really resonates with the conversation we had when you interviewed me about how, you know, you can just 
you just need to put your hand up and those opportunities will roll your way and be willing to exactly that jump over to Melbourne without a job title but you have a desk and a phone and hey we're going to make something work and you just put your full trust in it and I guess it's that's what makes our industry great is that that is the type of opportunity you might be offered and you jump in full feet and have no idea what you're going to do but you you know you're going to have a great ride whatever however it all pans out so yeah well there was probably a little bit more to that story because I remember um, Richard the group (laughs) operations director saying to me you know Michelle we're a big company we're about to be bigger and the rumor had been that Brits was buying Maui camper vans and so I thought this is a great move I'll move to head office and (laughs) you know I'll be based there and of course I got that wrong (laughs) so but as I said Brits was so small in, in New Zealand and most of the staff were made redundant here and and it was a great opportunity for me in Melbourne because you know once again I didn't have a job and I remember Chris Alp who was the CEO of THL pulling us all together and talking about the brands that they were going to continue to operate and the ones that were going and one of those brands that was on the the chopping block was backpacker camper vans and so I was sitting there going no you can't do that I love this brand and this is amazing and so I marched back to my desk and I ran some reports and I put it all together and I went and knocked on Chris's door and said can we have a chat and here's my proposal and I really don't think you should get rid of this brand and he was like well who are you and what do you do and next minute I was running backpacker camper vans for Australia and New Zealand so that was pretty yeah that was pretty cool. Wow. What, yeah. Wow. What a story. And yeah, a bit of, a bit of belief and it's great, you know, pulling off that data and using that to go and back yourself and then, well, give yourself a bigger, bigger job and a bigger mandate, no doubt. But there we go. So on that note of big jobs and big achievements, you are a big achiever, or at least I and many others fondly believe you to be. So what would one be one of your biggest successes to date? Oh, that's a good question, Chambers. I think there's a couple of really big projects that I've been involved um, in over the course of my career. And the first one was the redevelopment at Rainbow Springs. So I was really involved in that development when we launched the Big Splash and there was the new bird show, free flight bird show. At that time, I was seconded into the regional GM role for Naitahu as my boss was put in as project director. But led I guess the sales and marketing and repositioning and rebranding of that business and for for such an institutional business you know this Rainbow Springs has been around I think at least 80 years now it might even be a little bit longer but it is one of those businesses that everybody knows its name and I would say most Kiwis have visited so that was a really exciting project for me Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the biggest one would have to be the most recent at Ruapehu and you know I was brought on as a consultant and worked with Dave Bamford and his team on the feasibility study for the Skywalker gondola at Mount Ruapehu at the Whakapapa ski field there and worked really closely with the new, well, the old CEO, Dave Maisie, and then the new CEO, Ross Copeland, and bringing that to life. And, you know, that, and there were a whole bunch of people involved in that project. It wasn't certainly just my work, but, you know, we worked so hard to bring that to life in such a short period of time. And to jump on that gondola the day before it opened to the public and I remember having my hard hat on and my high-vis vest and I was sitting on the gondola with Ross and, and it really was one of those moments where 
it was emotional. Like, I think we both shed a few tears and it was like, it's real, it's live, it's here finally, you know. And now I look at how that's transformed that ski area and also looking at the, you know, the opportunities for summer business that it presents. It's just something that I'm super proud of and super excited to say that I was involved with. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, the summer opportunities, it just, it opens that mountain all year round and also opens that mountain to people who may not be into skiing or snowboarding, you know, and, but still want to go up and experience what it's like to be on um, top of Ruhupehu, which is a very special mountain. Yeah. And I think even when we had the official opening of that, I remember some of the Tuwharitoa Komatua up there, it was a really emotional experience for them because that was, you know, the first time that some of them had been that high on their maunga and, you know, it's just such a spiritual and special place for them and to see that they were actually able to ride a gondola versus what used to be two chairlifts was it was Mm. just it's incredible it really was that is incredible awesome so clearly some very big success stories there and uh, so another question i have which is similar but different do you have a fond memory that epitomizes the industry that we work in oh i've got many 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 i think when I think back to it, my fondest memories all come back to the people. And I think, you know, there's a couple, and and it almost comes down to how the people respond in a crisis. And I remember I was living in London when 9-11 happened and I was over on the Channel Islands in, I can't remember if it was Jersey or Guernsey, but one of them. And we were, I was there with New Zealand and APT Mm -hmm. and we were about to run a consumer show for about 300 Islanders to encourage them to come and visit Australia and New Zealand. And we were literally having lunch when the Twin Towers were struck. Mm. And, you know, just that, oh, the shock of it the fact that here we were on the other side of the world, a long way away from our families. We were trying to encourage people to jump on planes to, you know, to come out and see us on the other side of the world. And yeah, it's just the way that the industry rallied and supported each other at that time was really quite remarkable. Mm. And the messages, you know, of, of support and just, people reaching out are you okay and what's happening and I think we've seen a lot of that happen through COVID as well and you know the zoom drinks that we were running on Friday nights and even the the smaller zoom groups that we've had getting together just rallying around each other and supporting each other and you know we've been crying together and laughing together and yeah it's just that's I guess it's the people that keep me in tourism yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely the people. Yeah. And it's always, yeah, I agree with you. It wasn't just the Zoom drinks during COVID. It was, yeah, the smaller chat groups that we you built and the networks you built that helped with that support. And you know what, I've, I've actually gained some really beautiful friendships out of COVID that were people that I just knew within the industry that I might share a drink at tech with or have a loose conversation with or send rates to that now I'm actually more in contact with and and actually on a personal level rather than just about what we're up to in the industry so that's really lovely yeah and you know I think back when I was in London I hosted um, Mega for Mill 
from the UK to New Zealand and we had two groups and, you know, I'm still, that was 2002 and I'm still in touch with a lot of those people. And most of them are obviously still in the UK and they're having a tough time just like we are in tourism over there. And a lot of them have been made redundant. A lot of them who own their own travel agencies are are struggling Mm -hmm. and, you know, that support network still reaches that far. And it's, it's great that we can all still, touch base and check in on each other and and maintain those friendships even across the other side of the world. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, that's good. That's a great answer. So from that, obviously, we still think it's a fabulous industry and we believe it will be a fabulous industry when things come back to the norm. So what advice would you give to someone starting out or who wants to work in tourism? Oh, look, I I think tourism we've we've touched on it but tourism is all about people and I remember chatting to somebody the other day and they said the first question they ask in an interview is do you like people and (laughs) you know and and it is that's exactly what it is I've interviewed so many young people through the years who worried because they haven't studied tourism or they haven't studied marketing or anything else and I think there are definitely some roles that a qualification helps but if you want to get in on the front line and just work really hard and you have the right attitude and you're willing to roll your sleeves up and take a chance and have a go at doing pretty much anything well the opportunities are endless And I've seen some really good examples of people who've worked their way through the industry over the years just because they've been prepared to do that. And you can always go back and study later when you've kind of figured out which area you want to specialise in, you know, it's, yeah, there's always opportunities there. So I think it's about attitude. It's about being able to roll your sleeves up. And if you love people and you want to have a bit of fun, it's an awesome industry to be in. I agree. Awesome. Great answer. Now you're currently running a consultancy business, Destinate NZ. So tell us a little about what that involves. What do you offer and how can someone get hold of your services? Oh, yes. Well, this is my second time running Destinate. So I obviously I had a a brief hibernation period where I was working full time up at Mount Royal Pehu. So they had taken me on as an employee after I'd contracted to them last time. This time's a little bit different because obviously COVID has hit and the tourism industry is in need of a lot more support. So I'm really fortunate in that I've been able to get my business registered with the regional business network. And there is so much support out there for, you know, small operators who need some help. And that's basically what I'm doing. So I've got a really broad range of businesses that I'm working with from wedding and event venues to aviation companies like yours, (laughs) jet boat rafting. I've got some really boutique accommodation offers. I've got some retail businesses. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real mix, a garden and sculpture park that I'm working with. So yeah, really unique mix of businesses that are just needing some extra support either around building a strategy. I think one of the things, there's a couple of things that have been happening. I think we've just been experiencing so much growth organically over the last few years that a lot of businesses have just been riding that wave. And so they've just needed a little bit of support to focus their efforts now on building a strategy so it's a very deliberate plan of where they want to go next. 
Mm-hmm. I think there's also an element of just people needing to find time to work on their businesses instead of in their businesses. And as you know, Lisa, so many businesses <laughs> have had to downsize their staffing levels mm. and they need some extra support. And that's where I come in. I'm able to come in and, and work with them a couple of hours a week or a day a week and just support them to achieve their goals and keep their business afloat and, and thriving and with the domestic market. With also an eye on borders opening at some stage because we can't forget that. They will. We don't know when, but the borders will reopen and the visitors will return. And, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, it, it, it's good for us to be prepared for that. Mm. And and what that's going to look like is is going to be different. So we've got to work through those opportunities and how they're going to present themselves. And because I think you know we're very on that note about the borders opening and something other businesses should be mindful of is when they do open, you know, it's not going to go straight back into the norm of the same itineraries that once were. It's people aren't going to purchase the way that they travelled quite the same way once they're in the country you know they might not feel comfortable about being on a big bus they might want smaller group tours they might rather than big group tours they might want to you know hire their own car and keep to their own bubbles as such you know there's going to be a quite a bit of that and where they travel may change because we've had kiwis traveling around new zealand so they might they may be taken off the beaten um, path and a lot more than maybe they would have you know in previous years plus I think when they do get over here, when they are visitors, I think for the very first time that we see those, for the first few years anyway, when we see those visitors coming through, I think Kiwis are going to embrace them and be like, oh, great, you're visiting. Hey, I just did this. Or last year when we were traveling, we did that. You know, I think that's really going to be important. So if um, you haven't been mindful of that or you're, you know, you're thinking once the borders open, it's just going to go back to the old norm, I'd strongly suggest that you start planning it differently wouldn't you say and yeah yeah and and looking at what those opportunities might be yeah definitely you know as an industry we've been talking for so many years now about regional dispersal and Mm -hmm. I, i i don't know if tourism new zealand would agree but i i feel that we've we haven't really got too far down that path you know we're still seeing the same kind of imagery on the promotions that we do overseas, we're still seeing the same itineraries coming out. And I do think that will change. And I do think a lot of that will come from, as you say, the word of mouth from domestics who've been out and exploring the off the beaten places, because that's how, you know, the Kiwis travel. They're looking for unique and different and not necessarily just the traditional touristy places, because it's easy. We've all got cars. And we can get into a region that's not serviced by airports or regular bus schedules and that kind of thing. So I I think it'll be interesting to see what happens and I'm excited about it. I do think that for those businesses that aren't necessarily on the main trunk routes, I still Mm. think there will be some really cool opportunities for them to shine when the borders open. I do too. And I think if they're doing a really good job um, at what they're offering right now and they maintain that that's going to shine through and that's going to be a really good standpoint for them to argue about that regional dispersal and have support for yep. that regional dispersal even more so than they had before yeah. COVID. So and yeah you only have to look at the stats now of of where the Kiwis are traveling to and you know it's changed the visitor stats quite dramatically in that you know yes Queenstown's been popular but Wairarapa and Taupo and, you know, places that aren't 
always the first to be chosen on an international itinerary are starting to see some really good numbers coming through. Mm, Yeah, exactly. It's awesome. So on that note, talking about COVID, how has COVID affected you? Well, I was made redundant. So I'm one of the many, many tourism employees that was made redundant through Mm. COVID. But, you know, I have to say for every crisis, there's an opportunity. And my opportunity was obviously bringing Destinate NZ back to life. And I'm loving it. But it has been like a roller coaster ride. And there's some days when you're feeling really inspired and really great. And then there's other days when you talk to people and you see what your friends are going through overseas. And it really hits you hard that we're not over this. So we're, we're living in this bubble in New Zealand where life is almost normal for us. But then I look yeah. at what my friends in Victoria have been through over the last six weeks or nine weeks or however, however long it's been for them. Yeah, and it's been long. Yeah, yeah, and it sort of hits you and reality bites and, you know, I can't go home. I think that for me is the hardest thing at the moment is that mm. I can't get on a plane and go and see my mum and dad. So everything else I can yeah, live with. That is tough. But yeah, that's that's been pretty tough and probably the same for you as well. Yep. Yep. Very much so. So what's keeping you awake at night these days? Oh, what keeps me awake? That's a really good question. I guess for me, it's just looking at my business and what that might look like in the future. And there's a couple of things, you know, like I know the regional business network funding will dry up at some point, Mm -hmm. but I also know that there's so much opportunity and work out there and there's only me. So, you know, how do I scale my business? Because at the moment people are buying my time and my expertise and knowledge and, yeah, so it's just looking at those sorts of things and what, yeah, what the future might hold and where I might end up. But yeah, it doesn't. I sleep pretty yeah. well, to be fair. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a light sleeper. <laughs> so yeah, but they're, they're the sorts of things that I, I do oh, that- think about and try and plan for. Sounds like um, a bit like what I said when when you asked me that question, and it's a bit more of the opportunities are keeping us awake as opposed to the dreads, which is what we're very fortunate about, you know, what's going to come around the corner next and what are we going to be able to jump on next. And yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So it's that time of the um, podcast where we go into the quick fire. (laughs) And as you sprung it on me, I'm going to spring it on you. (laughs) Although I think you might know what questions I'm going to be asking. Anyway, on that one, let's get started, shall we? So summer or winter? Summer. Chocolate or coffee? Oh, uh, decaf coffee. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gin or wine? Gin. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Mountains or ocean? Uh, ocean. I love the beach. Morning or evening? Yeah, the beach is good. Especially Aussie beaches, they're good. Yeah, yeah. Morning or evening? I pretty much grew up on the beach. Evening. North Island or South Island? Oh, I ask everybody else this. You know what? This is hard for me. I live in the North Island, so I'm going to say the North Island. But South Islanders, I love you too. (laughs) Your favourite place in New Zealand? Oh, I'm going to say the Coromandel. 
good choice. And favourite place in the world? Melbourne. Nice. Jet boat or rafting? <laughs> oh, this is a hard one. You're pitting me up against two of my clients. <laughs> <laughs> It's so different, but I'm going to go rafting for the challenge of it. Okay, very good. Oh, well, look, Michelle, it's been um, truly awesome being able to interview you as um, you've done a grand job interviewing everybody else. And I'm loving doing this podcast with you. So thank you very much for inviting me to join you. And I'm very excited about where we can take it and what we're going to end up doing in a year's time with Destinate NZ. So, yeah, I reckon we'll do it again sometime. We'll have some other guests on. And thanks very much. Yeah, I think I think we thank you, Lisa. It was it's been fun to have the tables turned on me today. But yes, we do definitely have some incredible guests lined up for the show. So keep listening in and follow us on your favorite podcast app. We're on all of them. Um, follow us on Instagram or Facebook, Destinate NZ, or on the website destinatenz.com. Perfect. Thanks, Michelle. Okay. See you later. See you later.